can talk about every day being a gift and uh, stopping to smell the roses, but regular life's got a way of picking away at it. Your house, the shit you own, it drags you down. Your kids, what they want. One bad idea after another. Just trying to work a cell phone menu. It's enough to make you scream. Yeah, these goddamn cell phones, they just keep making them and I keep breaking them. Uh, welcome, my friends, to Cut to Black, a Sopranos sit-down. My name is Jim Scampoli. I've seen every episode of The Sopranos. My name is Jacob Burrows, and I've seen 71 episodes of The Sopranos, and I'm glad that Tony never had to deal with apps. Uh, not talking about appetizers, <laughs> talking about the ones on your phone. When that scene happened, I was like, cell phone menus? What? <laughs> and then I remembered. And uh, yeah, it was probably worse than apps, but like, I imagine a modern day The Sopranos would have Tony like doing Candy Crush or whatever to relax, and that would have been great too. So, <laughs> you know, you win some, lose some, but either way, here we are, episode 71, Live Free or Die. Who put this together, Jim? This one was written by not only David Chase and Terrence Winter, but also Robin Green and Mitchell Burgess. This is like mm. the fucking the all stars of the Sopranos all together. The Avengers joined together on one episode directed by Tim Van Patten. Yet another Sopranos mainstay. Uh, I am yeah. very sad to learn that this is actually the last episode that um uh, Robin Green Robin and Green. Mitchell Burgess uh, are involved in. Apparently, they uh, left. They'd been in with since the first season. They left to produce a new project for HBO, which never took shape. <laughs> so, cool. Yeah. That's, that's depressing, isn't it? Yeah. Although, yeah, to be fair, we're coming up on the home stretch. Like, they did yeah. their part. They did episodes into the final, uh, final season here. So, well, you know. Season six, you know, it's it's uh, for me. I'm I'm a uh, I'm still sort of a bit in in the middle on whether there's two seasons here or not. I, I'll watch them first, and then you'll you'll get my call. I'm sure that will be the most riveting thing to learn from me, having watched the whole series. Is do I consider them two separate seasons or not? But for now, uh, well done, uh, Robin and uh, Mitchell. Sorry to see you go. Yeah, they're involved in some uh, great episodes up to this point. Uh, oh, White Caps uh, specifically cool. uh, yeah. written by. But I mean, you know, even going back to Boca. Remember the one with uh, going Uncle June going down, <laughs> going down on his uh, uh, mistress there. So oh, yeah. yeah, that was a great. One. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that kind of ties in with where we're at here. Live free with uh, the episode "Live Free or Die." Um, this episode opens with Tony. You know, every day is a gift, so he's out there trying to enjoy that gift. He's trying to just enjoy the day. But we're kind of seeing maybe the classic Tony creep in a little bit. because, Like, that's one of the reasons why, outside of the cell phone uh, menu line, though I like how he kind of highlights in, this, in that quote there, you know, life starts chipping away at your ideals, I guess. Like, you can tell yeah. yourself... Hey, you know, it's it's a brand new day. I'm going to change my life. But then there's still you there. And are you going to let something like your air conditioner making a little rattling noise 
kind of get to you when you're trying to yes. read your yachting magazine or whatever he's reading at the time. Are you going to get It is out? so great. <laughs> yeah, it is so great that he's reading a yachting magazine because he's it's in contrast to a couple episodes ago when he goes outside, sits there, looks up at the trees, like really is in the moment. Yeah. And now later in the episode he's complaining about the things you own weighing you down and yet it's a yachting magazine that you would only own or get delivered if you if you were interested in, I don't know, buying an even bigger boat. And he I think he says in this episode, like, I might not even have the boat if not for Vito. Yeah. But like, remember Tony, that's a negative now. You have you had this Buddhist approach with Melfi, but I guess uh, guess not so much, and that's why the rattling is bothering you. Well, and also if we could point out, and I know this has been pointed out many times by other people. Uh, probably discussing the Sopranos, but what was Kevin Finnerty's Finnerty's thing, Jacob? Remember when uh, the monks were mad at him for his faulty heating system, Jacob? <laughs> what is no. Tony dealing with here? <laughs> nah. <laughs> Sorry, no. Oh, I, uh, I thought it was going to be something about he he sold yachts. Like <laughs> I didn't remember that at all. Uh, but yeah, uh, okay. Was that in the book? Did you say that? Uh, it's in the book, and I someone uh, someone else had mentioned it too, and I was like, I I, I did the same thing you did. I just kind of shook my head. Like it's a fun little connection to make, but I don't know. Do you really think that they were like tying that together? I mean, I guess it's possible, right? No, I don't think so. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so well, yes. So we. I actually wanted to mention just before we moved on from it, because I was like, I'll do this at the end of the episode, but I'll forget uh, about our dear writers, Mitchell Burgess and uh, Robin Green. Uh, the project with HBO may not have worked out, but they did create the TV show Blue Bloods, um, which I've never watched, but there are 10 seasons of it. It yeah, started in 2010, Jesus. and it's still going. And... Uh, well done, guys, I guess. I also didn't know that Robin Green was a quote-unquote gal Friday for editor-in-chief Stan Lee at Marvel Comics. All sorts well, of fun facts. It's weird that you don't know that because I've mentioned that a few times at the start of this very show when huh. <laughs> we've gone over. <laughs> but like, yeah, Jim, I regularly worked. forget uh, the names of uh, main cast members <laughs> of The Sopranos. So. <laughs> yeah, damn, that there show has uh, 197 episodes at this point. So yeah, good for them. I doubt it's a yeah. good show, but whatever. That's because it's on CBS. <laughs> yeah, but they're they're the creators, though. I mean, they might. Uh, well, we'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we have Vito hanging out with his gumar and uh, going like, "Is that all you ever think about sex?" Because he has a gumar apparently yeah. for appearances and this side house, I guess that people know about but don't really know about, or maybe it's her house that he put her up in. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's really, he's not, uh, I mean, he's lambing it, but he's in an easy-to-find place. Like, it's not very smart, uh, because people at least know about this Guma, and I mean, as we see later in the episode, at least they know to check there. So, come on, my dude, you had the right idea, just go to a nondescript motel somewhere, keep that, keep that up. Yeah, I think he was laying low, I guess, hoping that the whole thing would blow over, so, yeah. eh, you know, no pun intended. Um, so, yeah, well, I, I guess he was hoping that if, if no one got, if it didn't get back to the Sopranos, he could just, uh, waddle back into, you know, with a fat stack of cash and it would be like nothing ever happened. Yeah, that's true. I guess there was always the potential 
Like it was like more than likely words going to get out, but there's the potential that maybe it would just get squashed somehow. So I guess I could yeah. see maybe he's kind of holding on to that. Yeah. Even though he's obviously wrong and word tends to spread. Um, so Tony is at Satrelli's and Christopher comes up and talks in some uh, thinly veiled language about how he's, Christopher's got to hook up these guys coming over from Italy with some scissors to do a barber job on this guy. So I guess the deal with the taking out Rusty still going on ahead, even though Johnny Sack is our, our estimation of him is plummeted. <laughs> yeah. Um, despite that, that. And Christopher does, he changes his tone a bit here where he's like, yeah, you know, yeah. this is actually a great idea, Tony, you know, shielding us, keep giving us extra protection. And what don't we see muscle and we see muscles here as well. Muscles Marinara shows yeah. up and Tony kind of apologizes for his fucking temper. And the guy is like, uh, it's kind of adorable. He's like, I don't remember slamming no fridge door, but like, if you said it or whatever, <laughs> like yeah. he's kind of like, he's obviously a dumb guy from just the short scenes we had with him earlier. Uh, but yeah, he's kind of like, oh, my dad said, and everyone said, never should have raised my hand to you. I'm really sorry. And Tony, like he's wont to do, just gives him some cash and pats him on the head and sends him on his way. But he even does a thing like where he kind of, not begrudgingly, but he's like, yeah, I accept your apology. Even though Tony knows completely it was all fabricated, but he's still kind of like, yeah, just don't let it happen again. Like it starts out as a Tony apology, but then it, it turns into, yeah, like Tony forgiving him for what he did. He goes like, as long as you realize, That's and actually wags his finger at him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so then what do we have here? Oh, Chris is at AA. All right. So And Chris can't take some of these stories. Like, he doesn't want to listen to the... <laughs> you know, even though he's at AA, he's working the program, they have to step outside, and then he hears, uh, he gets word on veto from someone they run into here at the AA meeting. Oh, yeah, he, he's not up for this uh, nonsense. They head outside for a smoke, uh, him and his sponsor, and some guy who's... I, I don't know. I never know where things are happening and whose crew is connected to who, but this guy, I think his name is Sal, he, or maybe the guy who saw Vito was named Sal. But anyway, word, words gets to him, and Tony... Uh, uh, sorry, Christopher can't fucking wait. He's, like, running. This is, like, worse than when someone's uh, life is on the line. I've never seen him run before. He's, like, running into uh, the Bing to tell everyone about what he's seen. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, yeah, the guy who saw Vito is is Sal, and it's this guy's cousin or something like that. Um, yeah. and, and it's interesting how gleeful Christopher is on this... When Christopher was the victim of the other side of this, of the gossipy, like, bullshit you have to deal with, when the whole thing with Adriana happened, and he was, yeah. you know, he even had his little line about, you know, it doesn't matter whether it happened or not, people believe it happened, but he's, you know, it's it's always nice to be on this other side of it, where you get to pile on with everyone else, you know? Yeah, and Tony's tone is a bit different because they come in like, you're never going to believe this. And uh, Christopher's sponsor is there for some reason, and he's really excited to tell Tony, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, says he's an ass muncher, I believe. And um, so, uh, but Christopher kind of uh, tones it down a little bit where he goes like, he adds an allegedly, you know, and, and such. Because Tony's like, what? No, like, Vito's my top earner. I don't want to hear this shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um and yeah, what they do, they mention the motorcycle uh, outfit and everything. They kind of get into some of the details. Yeah. People don't really know what to believe yet. Uh, Polly's pretty upset. 
you know, Polly doesn't want to hear about this. Yeah, fucking slander if you ask him. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Tony says, let's take this in the back. And the sponsor's like, yeah, that's what Weedo did. And Tony's like, you can go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, I mean, it's interesting. So yeah, they... uh, sorry to cut you off, but like. That's right. Because I remember at the time when they kind of spent as like, I mean, as you can even see what this episode ends, like this is still a lingering thread. And at the time, just knowing that we we're kind of getting into the end of the Sopranos, I remember I was like, what the fuck? Why are we spending so much time on this? Um, but seeing it now, uh, it's it's such an interesting turn and such a classic, I guess, Sopranos thing to do to kind of give you something you don't necessarily know you want to see. And especially being able to, like, obviously you could tackle gay issues and masculinity and especially in this type of environment now. But to have characters that are pretty openly homophobic, like in the yeah. worst way, but also have them still be the characters you like, it's an interesting thing to do that I don't know if you'd necessarily be able to do now. Like, you'd have to make them more villainous, I feel. And again, we're talking about people that are murderers and <laughs> like they do terrible <laughs> things as well. But like, obviously, it gets a little bit touchier because you're dealing with just portrayal and media and there's like just different social issues around it rather than just dealing with murderers. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think one of the interesting bits is that, uh, I mean, jumping ahead, when Tony's with Melfi, she wants his opinion of the whole gay thing and tony's like i think ah, oh, it's disgusting i hate it but then uh, talking more about it, he's like honestly i he doesn't care he, yeah. he obviously doesn't care and so this homophobia that he's exhibiting it's kind of like you have to do that because that's the done thing and obviously this all ties in a lot with what happened in the previous episode. It makes sense to have this in sequence where, uh, you know, Johnny Sacks, a lot of his, or Sack, uh, a lot of his reputation was lost there um, as he started crying at his daughter's wedding for being taken away to probably go uh, in the clink for life. Uh, so, so if that's bad, then this is obviously much worse. And just the way that they all have different inputs on it where like Christopher seems like really gung ho about like, I want to kill this guy. And yeah. Polly eventually turns to that as well. And Tony, I mean, t like we said, Tony is, he's obviously kind of a nihilist in some ways. Like he, he doesn't, he doesn't care about people. I guess he would hate uh, gay people if they were happy, like he hates everyone else. But as long as they hate themselves, he doesn't give a shit, I think. Um, but so it's a really interesting thing that he has to pretend to have this hatred. And when he tries to make a move to be more open and accepting, it's like, well, now your reputation's at stake too. Yes, yeah. But do you think that that's more of a, a consequence of t this little bit different Tony going through what he's gone through this season, like his near death and looking at second chances and every day is a gift or would Tony always kind of been like that? I mean, I Not guess, always. Yeah. I, I mean, I sorry to cut you off. I, I would say, I guess even if he wasn't as accepting money would always trump all of it. I, I would imagine like just the yeah. fact that Vito's the top earner, but I'm sorry, continue with what, what you were going to respond with. Yeah, I, I, um, I think, yeah, I always had, like, he d doesn't give a shit what people really do, but I also feel like he is definitely affected by this, that he is more, I don't know, he's more 
present in like not caring about what happens with other people and caring more about holding his grandchildren and things like that and it's like it's really not going to affect him and he is annoyed that Vito is gay because it's brought on all this trouble now I don't see how he thinks that he if if he actually thinks that he can bring Vito back in because he's kind of like arguing against things later and like what no if I say he's coming back he's coming back but it's like that would never happen but like you don't necessarily have to kill him either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's a middle ground that they seem uh, unwilling to explore throughout. Well, and um, and also it it ties in with this because the whole thing with Eugene. I mean, never mind the small break we took. Uh, it's it feels like forever ago, even though it was the first episode of this season when he had to hang himself because basically there was no way out. Uh, yeah. Because even taking oh, yeah. out our break, just in general, with all the stuff that happens and the way that we were in Tony's coma and in the hospital for so long, it does feel like a different lifetime ago. But it yeah. all ties in because, you know, we have Vito, like, there's no way out. Eugene, there's no way out. And even to a lesser extent, with Tony trying to have this new outlook on life, he's looking for his own way out in a weird way as well. But... I don't know. It's just like Tony said, like life, it's going to drag you back down. Like it's, it's hard to, or I guess going back to what David Chase has said, it's hard to really change your life. It's all about trying to make small changes because can you really become like a new person? Yeah, that's a great point. Practically as well. I'd forgotten about poor Eugene. Um, So maybe there's no like, you're either one of us or you're dead. That's yeah. about pro- that's possibly it because hey, if you're gay, you're probably a snitch, right? <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, and then even tying sense. back to uh, the Boca episode, you know, I guess that that's very similar as well because the whole thing was that if you go down on a lady, then oh, yeah. what else would you suck? Like that was another thing of like, uh, are you gay? But then. Tony, the 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 revelation was that you know Tony did, you know, was down on Carmilla, but yeah, don't you tell anyone? Like, don't you you know don't you joke about that? That can't get out. Where it's like you know secretly they all kind of do it, but there's these appearances that you have to keep up. Uh, and similarly, crew. you get a pass for whatever happens behind the bars. Yes, apparently. Yeah. So, cool. Um, yeah, so they they're they're unsettled anyway. They don't know what's going to happen. We move to see Meadow well, working I'm, at. I'm oh, sorry to yeah. take it one back one more. Yeah, when they say when they bring up his sudden weight weight loss, <laughs> and then Polly's like, oh, right. "AIDS!" <laughs> like <laughs> it's such a just like ignorant dumb thing to say, but <laughs> it, it really makes me laugh. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, so Meadow is working at the law center. <laughs> And um, helping this family whose son was taken away uh, for unclear reasons. And they won't give him bail either, just like ASAP or something. Uh, so, <laughs> so and, and yeah, there's, we get into the whole Muslim thing again here of uh, there's a daughter who they didn't let her skate at the park cause, uh, or the skate rink or whatever because she couldn't uh, wear her hijab. Is yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. She wasn't allowed to wear it. Um for insurance reasons they said, but clearly there's other reasons. Um and 
Meadow kind of brings that into the next scene where she's ranting about it. I, I feel, I mean, obviously it's something she's dealing with, so it's totally natural, but I also feel like there's a bit of Tony in there where he'll just pick up on something and yes. then go ranting about it to everyone. So yeah. that's a family trait, I feel. Yeah, that's a great read. And kind of in the uh, Soprano Sessions book, they talk about how, like, because Tony gives the old, like, uh, oh, I'm playing a violin, poor them, oh, poor you. You know, you go about pity, yeah. you go about with pity for yourself. Uh, and they kind of tie it into like Tony's read on gay people could be different now too, because Vito isn't just this idea of a gay person. He's a person he knows and it becomes like a real person to you. So that like, obviously one of the best ways to break down, uh, discriminations is to humanize someone. And so since Meadow has like a more of a personal interaction with a real thing, and Tony doesn't, it's easy to do that. But then with something like Vito, you know, maybe that can kind of poke through some of his prejudices and make him see it as a real person. Because it's very easy to, like, see a headline and be like, oh, boo-hoo, these refugees. Uh, <laughs> go get me a beer. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like there's uh, some sense. I don't know if someone says it, but there's a sense there that, like, Oh, yeah. Uh, Carmela says, like, there must have been some reason, Meadow. Yes. Like, no yeah. smoke without fire, that sort of thing, which also ties in with everything going on with the veto. Because even if you don't know, uh, the reputation's already there. So, uh, fuck them, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and what, wait, what do they say? Because there's a line, you don't relate to black people clinging to logs. Now, I was trying to figure out, what does that mean? Is that just like when she's talking about people, like, trying to... Like when uh, I don't know, come across the, the the ocean or something. Like, does she literally mean clinging the logs? I I think I I kind of missed what they were getting at on that. I did make a note of it. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure actually because they were talking about Bush and then uh, okay, uh, Carmela said she voted for them, and I I don't know. I'm gonna try to find out right now. Uh, Let me see. Here. Nope, it's not in there. It's, I found an article about it. Uh, that's not it. Because I kind of wanted to know too. Like, what does this mean? I I don't I don't understand it. On Sour the episode first aired. Sorry, we're doing a little on the fucking show. Uh, she took she took an interest in social justice issues for some reason. She earned her own money and became highly educated. As much as she annoyed me, eh? I guess maybe we'll just have to let it go. Never. <laughs> uh, okay, fine, I guess. Because I keep... Now I'm getting results from future episodes, so I'm going to give up. Oh, uh, yeah, don't do that. Be careful. Yeah, yep, yep. I'll, I'll stop. But I don't know. I don't understand it. So, we'll just, hey, show that you know show at gmail.com. Explain yeah. this line, No, nah, it's my own fault because I made a note of that because I was going to actually like look look ahead of it <laughs> before we discussed it, but I forgot <laughs> until here we are. Uh, but... Yes. So, yeah, the whole Bush thing. And it, it's it is amazing that, you know, it's a different time, but it's the same discussions like these things. It's just a cycle that I don't yeah. mean that in a like cynical, like, fuck everything. Why bother uh, type of way? But it's just interesting the way, it, you know, the discussion continues and, you know, history repeats itself. 
Yes. So um, Tony apparently did take something from it, though, despite his tiny violin playing, because next scene he goes in and sees Christopher in Satrielli's, and Christopher's just lifting a weight like a cool guy. Mm. And uh, Tony asks if maybe those two uh, Muslim guys, maybe uh, you think they could be Al-Qaeda's or something? <laughs> and um, And Christopher has a really interesting reaction where he's like, Hmm. Like <laughs> thinks about it. Like you know what? I've thought about that, and I don't think so. Because like they have a dogs, and um, they have a Springer yeah. Spaniel. Yes, <laughs> and one of them was very upset. So uh, there's a uh, a cartoon of Muhammad posted. It, just in case you're not aware, dear listener, in Jilans Posten in Denmark, I guess, um, about the time this was coming out and um christopher mentions that one of the guys was really upset and he hated that uh you know the the bad thing was that all the rioting would bring negative attention to muslims which isn't necessarily an argument against him being an al-qaeda as they put it um but yeah uh they do have a dog so that's this is another aspect of the whole like no nah, they're like human beings so they can't be bad like yeah, they... yeah. exactly <laughs> like, we all have to remember that pedophiles probably are really good to their pets. <laughs> like, these are things we need to consider in life. Uh, bad people also were excited for the last season of Game of Thrones, and they were disappointed. Yes, absolutely. Uh, then, yeah, I guess, you know, like I was saying, Vito's not really hiding that well because they kind of show up exactly where he is, and he's like, oh, you've been looking for me? Ah, oh, I've been over here. Jeez, don't even worry about it. And yeah. I feel like we've seen this stuff a lot where p- especially on this show where you have to kind of play along, but you do a smart thing where you try to get away at least whether it be Phil. That's like, Oh, Hey Tony, I got to go see John real quick. Remember he's got his ice cream and he hops in his car and he tries to drive away or, uh, shit like that where he's like, Oh yeah, I'll follow you. But you know, the guys that want to beat him up and kill him can't be like, nah, you ain't going to follow us. Cause then it's like, they show their hand. So you have to all play along and act like it's, it's uh you know everything's copacetic but he does make a break for it he gets away uh benny starts what they throw rocks at him i guess they're like we knew it we knew it all along lying piece of shit uh the funny thing is that usually whenever there's one of those situations it's about like uh he's been conspiring against the family or like he owes money to someone and in fact here when he drives off they're just kind of laughing because it's like ha i knew you were a finook (laughs) like because he hasn't actually done anything bad kind of well he has but more mostly towards his wife it shouldn't really concern them but of course it does and they see this as confirmation this guy's like laughing his head off and uh yeah so um, next scene, we do have Christopher uh, paying a guy to fix the scissors and that for the guy for the people from uh, Naples. Um, pays him in coke, I guess. And this is another scene where, you know, um, reputation and everything is central because Christopher first for a goof is like, "Oh, that's a captain you're talking about. Don't you be careful." He's like, "Oh shit, I'm sorry." And then still, uh, Christopher just for laughs lets it slip and like, "Ha ha, you and me, you're a crackhead." But here we are. Ha, yeah, ha, he's ha. taking a laugh. At least, at least you're not a finook. He's taking up the old Hershey Highway. Um, <laughs> but even like, just this thing in general of trusting a well i mean i guess in the end he doesn't trust like again i i would have to assume that if you're this junkie guy and you're being trusted he's being trusted i guess with this information because he speaks italian or something 
and he can talk to these, you know, out of country guys that are coming in for the hit because this is an important thing that's supposed to be tapered off from them. And I assume they'll probably have to kill this guy, right? (laughs) Like once, once the job is done. So there's no, uh, there's no link, but I don't know. That's all just speculating in the future, but it's, it definitely reminds me of going back to when Junior was in the process of trying to kill Tony. Uh, I remember he was hiding in the back seat and they were talking yeah. up to some like potential hitters or whatever. And they made a crack about Tony's mom. Uh, it's like, oh, his own mother wants some whacked or something. And then Junior's like, I don't like it. What are they going to be saying about me? So it is, oh, yeah. it's great how it's always been a thing on The Sopranos that you know, the way people talk and what the gossipy rumors are, you got to kind of put a stop to that. But it's hilarious how Christopher just piles in and throws in his own jokes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just a great line read for the ending as well, where the guy's like, uh, it could be a midlife crisis thing. And Christopher's like, sucking a cock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's very good. Um, so does he, he comes home actually, right? Or yeah, he, Yes. He, uh, Vito comes home to to gather up his belongings, mainly his uh, money. Yeah, there's like a babysitter there or something. He packs up some stuff. I mean, he does take a picture of his family or his kids at least, and he kind of sees his kids while they're sleeping, and yeah, gathers up some uh, some cash to be on the road, and and yeah, like for I was picking up like. I don't know if I was just reading too much into this or not, but it just felt like there's a lot of tension. Uh, even when he's just driving down the street eating ribs or whatever, like I'm like, oh, what's gonna happen? He's gonna put the ribs on there, and uh, the 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 sauce is gonna mess up his his crankshaft. He's gonna crash his car. Uh, but you know, no, nothing really big happens. He's just eating ribs, chatting on the phone, doing whatever. Yeah, the car breaks down in that. Um, oh, he throws out the phone. Yes. the phone out the window, right? Yeah. Now. Um, interestingly, it's a picture of him and his wife, I think, that he packs rather than his children. Okay. Because you'd think that, I don't know, it, it is interesting because uh, it's like that's a relic of his life that he's now supposedly abandoning. Uh, hits uh, a fallen tree or branch and has to pull over, can't keep going. So has to go on a trek to the nearest small town. And this is where we start getting introduced to my favorite part of the episode, which is... The Gilmore Girls part of the episode, um, <laughs> because this is Gilmore Girls it and totally New and Gilmore Girls, and I love it. And uh, I don't know, I don't know much about New England, but um, having seen it depicted now in two shows, I know this is where I want to retire when I'm old and gay, yeah. like Vito, because it's just a fabulous town. They, the bed and breakfast woman, really pleasant, won't even take his money until the morning. Like, no, no, we'll get you sorted. I'll, I'll get your car up. She's a, she's a regular Lorelei, she, so she is. And uh, yeah, I mean, we'll get into the rest of it later, but it's just, it's just lovely. And of course, it's like, yeah, I think I might live free here instead of dying. Yes, yeah, and it, it does harken back to like a real world version of, you know, Kevin Finnerty in a way. Like it's uh the kind of what if, the whole what if yeah. scenario. Like, you know, well, what if I, I what if I was just here? What if I was here and I forget it's like a fake town I think they made up in New Hampshire. But yeah, you know, they're a seemingly I mean, they never like confirm 
that some of the people that he sees in the town are gay, but you kind of assume that they're gay and everything's co- everyone's cool with it. It's like an idealistic, you know, sleepy little town full of nice people, much like Stars Hollow and Gilmore Girls. Uh, I I don't know if any other Sopranos podcast references Gilmore Girls as much as this one. I hope people, (laughs) I hope people don't hate that about us. But I would tell you, it's a good show. All right, I know you, you know, you're rolling your eyes, but it's a good show. Set aside your preconceived notions. (laughs) All right, Uh, that's a great show. Uh, I should um, uh, correct what I said before. There's a picture of his children that he packed as well, but it was also a picture of his wife there. So, Uh, yeah. Kind of arrives, leaves his gun there, just goes to sleep on this great bed, wakes up in this, uh, yeah, kind of big, nice bed and breakfast room, and uh, we leave him there for now. Go back to see Carmela checking out the spec house. Yeah, her ghost house. This, <laughs> yeah, ghost house. Which, again, like we said the first time we were there, like the sort of uh, plastic sheets floating in the wind, like they look like ghosts in themselves, little, like leaving aside the fact that it looks totally abandoned. Uh, but yeah, it's now been basically looted and she knows exactly who did it. And this is a great scene where she drives up to uh, talk to her dad about this. And I swear at one point I thought her dad was like the cool one <laughs> of yeah. the parents. And yeah. I didn't realize he just loves Tony and loves being a man and uh, not taking responsibility for his actions like us men do. Um, so yeah, they have a big fight about this. Yeah, because it's essentially was his fault in the beginning because he fucking he used like the wrong lumber, wasn't up to code properly. And he thought that he had connections, but he's like obviously just this long retired guy who's like out of touch with with like the reality of construction uh, and then just assumed Tony would take care of it. And now Carmela's back in yet another position where she needs Tony to do something. And it's not so much that Tony's being malicious with the whole thing where she keeps asking if he's going to, like, what, juice some palms, basically, with the building inspector. It's just, you know, Tony's yeah. going through his own shit. He got shot, and he's still kind of recuperating and getting back into the swing of things. Yeah, exactly. And all this is happening, and uh, so her mother is kind of there shouting with her hair rollers and like, what happened to my good pan or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> She's just totally ignored. Um but yeah, he's just watering his uh, driveway, which is, I guess, the thing you do. Um, I always wonder I about that. In, I see it a yeah, lot. I've seen a lot of television TV and movies. I don't yeah. know what the point is, it, but yeah, <laughs> maybe he's washing away leaves. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, have, I have no clue actually. So now we got uh, Vito at the diner. He, you know, he he sees a couple or seemingly a couple. Gets to try the Johnny cakes because those oh. are like the those are the special basically there. Doesn't this just want to make you go on a weekend trip to New England? Like, <laughs> Absolutely. This is a great ad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like head into this little diner, get a personal recommendation, have a, have a bit of a shit chat with this guy with a great mustache and great muscles too. I swear it harkens back to the previous episode where uh, Tony's looking at everyone's muscles and now Vito's <laughs> looking at everyone at this guy's arms and everything. It's kind of the same scene basically. Oh, for sure. He makes a call. I mean, who does he call here? Um, uh, he's trying to find someone i don't remember. oh that's right yeah he's actually looking up because uh because his name's spatifor like i think he's looking up yeah. like his sister or something like that or yeah okay that's right but yeah he can't they can't find it whatever they're looking for so he tries the johnny cakes yeah he's just kind of taking it all in the great scenery uh then we have uh silvio i guess oh 
under another ruse waiting to see if Vito comes back home. He's with Vito's wife. Supposedly he's got tickets to backstage passes to a concert or something or other. They do a quick shot of them at like a Ren Fair or something. Like he looks at a picture and now he's like, I, I, the, my read from it, he's looking at it in a different light now. Like, ah, we should have yeah. known. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's dressed up like Robin Hood or something in Men in Tights for sure. Um, and yeah, it, we know it's a big deal because when he goes outside, uh, it's Tony there, right? Yeah, Tony's there waiting oh, for him. Oh, that's right. So, yeah, yeah, so he's just been lurking in the car the whole time because it seems like Silvio's been in there for a little while. Like they're just hanging out. Yeah. So uh, and and Tony basically gives the whole um, speech of uh, well so, sorry no uh, Vito I'm I'm spacing now it's Silvio uh, third time's the charm yes. Silvio says I've been around a lot of women and uh, that one ain't getting dicked uh, oh that's basically right in so many words so yep. that's his analysis I mean he does own a um, uh, strip club so yeah I guess he would know. And there's a hilarious exchange here where Tony calls Vito's phone and, like, the construction guy or the guy working on the side of the road picks it up. And, yeah. like, they, it's like this confusion slash argument. Everyone, be, oh, you got a telephone tough guy? Put Vito on the phone. Uh, and he's like, hold on. Let me get him for you. And, like, tosses it under the fucking, <laughs> under, like, the steamroller or whatever. <laughs> I guess he's, this guy, I kind of want to see the show about this guy because <laughs> he just... What's his motivation? Because he, he does answer. He's like, oh, hello. And then he's like yeah, talking shit to him. And then he's like, there ain't no veto. I found this I found this on the side of the road. And uh, he's just like, hang on a second. And then he, I thought, you know, a cell phone in that day and age, you know, take the SIM card out, sell that shit. I True. guess not. Just You're just sort of annoyed by this guy. Throw it under and it gets uh, run over by, uh, what is that thing called? Steam? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, something like that. I mean, I, I, my kind of read is that if Tony just wasn't, if Tony was just like a little bit rational, he would have at least yeah. gotten a, they would have gotten like a kind of a beeline on at least the direction or where it was at or something. But Tony's yeah. kind of is tough immediately. So the guy's like, I don't have to deal with this shit. But you're right. Why yeah. wouldn't he just keep the phone and sell it? Yes. So, uh, continuing Carmela's, uh, lied in this story we've seen her at the house seen how she uh doesn't really have full control over this business that she wants to have control of and uh we're gonna see how that is in uh sort of contrast to the body shop and i forget her name what's her name uh, angie uh, yes angie angie's there rushing in you know she's gotta go she doesn't have time for this sitting around bullshit the us the wives do because yeah. as is pointed out she, she's uh she's got one foot in each camp at this point and it's leaning more towards the uh the the guy's camp basically yeah like it's the constant reminder i mean this is not the first time we've seen Actually, it's kind of gone both ways with how how Carmela looks at Angie Bumpensero, Big Pussy's wife. Initially, yeah. it was like a kick in the gear when she saw he, she saw her working at the grocery store. Like, oh yeah. fuck, I I need a backup plan if something happens to Tony. And then it's turned into this like jealousy where she because Angie has pulled herself together. And, you know, I mean, with the help of Tony in a weird way, indirectly because of Carmilla, I think, because wasn't that like part of a thing where it came up and then, you know, Tony did decide to help her with the with the garage. But then that was a big thing where he came and like 
smashed in the car door and was like honking on the horn saying, don't come around my wife or something. It's in this torrid past, but now apparently yeah. she's connected, but it's always been a constant yeah. thing with Carmilla. And now again, she's feeling worse about her own thing because she did have this spec house, which she did a little bit on, but I mean, Tony put up the money and then it all got fucked up and now she has to rely on Tony again. Remember when she was doing stocks and she was doing well on that when she stole the money? Yeah. Let's get back to that. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to build right now. You may maybe uh, hold on to that land, just sell it. It's going to be worth more, maybe, mm. um, unless there's some sort of financial crisis coming up. Ha <laughs> ha! Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, uh, no worries. 2006. Yeah, yeah, that would um, have been great. So, another scene with uh, Melfi here, <laughs> where um, Tony has to start it by saying, like, "Well, actually, I I knew all along," which is what everyone's saying in this situation. Which I also feel is what everyone says in real life when something similar happens. Like, I always kind of knew about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I. Everyone just has to brag about their gaydar all the time. Well, and I mean, I know we're talking Sopranos, so it's okay to get blue, but it's not as okay to say the f word these days anymore. And I don't mean fuck, but. Tony's read of he's a fag. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, come on. It's hilarious because it's such a weird way to do that. Uh, and he's like, come on, do I have to spell it out for you? Uh, and he, he does use the line again because, yeah, when Car- Carmela, uh, not Carmela, when Melfi asks him about, yeah, the gay community or the gay thing, he goes, I feel like they go about in pity for themselves. So he does kind of come through with that little right. gem. And it really doesn't make sense what he's saying, but it's just a classic Tony. I'm going to use a thing that I picked up and I try to squeeze it in every situation now. Yes. And I think uh, his line read makes sense in the context that she's asking what is the actual problem what is the issue and he does his little sing song and it's like what she's saying is like that why is that an issue i don't like why does it have to be and so in a different show if that was not the question posed and someone gives that reading it's like what the fuck is this show but i mean it's it's fairly clear what the show is uh, saying about the whole issue i'm like oh, sure some yeah. some topics some topics they they like to stay really ambiguous on, but I mean it's it's very obviously showing how toxic all of this is for everyone involved. All this homophobia. Well, it's great because like, I mean, not that the uh, Noah Tenenbaum stuff. I think it was Tenenbaum's his last name, but not that that really went to a ton of places. But it's just great that the show, you know, or David Chase or the writers, they feel like they want to explore uh, characters prejudices and you know they spent time showing that tony soprano was racist and that he didn't like that his daughter was dating a half black guy uh and now it's like they're kind of exploring this a bit here with these you know this masculine side of the world where it's all about you know we, we were talking this last the episode before this was all about image and how everything looks and now you're getting the reality of the situation and just how they have to deal with that, but still kind of presenting them as full characters and not just outright like caricatures of uh, racist, prejudiced pigs. You know what I mean? Like there's a yeah. place for characters like that as well, but it's I feel like it's more helpful 
not not that I'm saying you're humanizing and making a hateful person sympathetic, but just showing that it's still a person and maybe that shows that there's a way to help them through whatever they're dealing with, you know? Yeah. And so also part of this scene, uh, Tony gets to say, oh, every TV show, they shove it down your throat these days, like, uh, which is fun because he's on a TV show. And uh, he, he references well, the L word saying like that, that show, that's all right, though. I, I don't mind that as much, <laughs> though. I am a strict Catholic. And like he's just saying all these things uh, like, oh, we will end up fucking dogs. Like and Melfi correctly goes like, I'm hearing a lot of ambivalence right now. <laughs> like you're just saying things. <laughs> well, which is great, too, because I guess going back pre shooting in coma, Carmelo was the one that had the big speech about them shoving it down your throat in the media right. when she was doing yeah. that thing at at Meadows uh, dinner or whatever. And then at the time, Tony was just like, yeah, yeah, salut, you know. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, she was actually surprisingly, uh, yeah, on, on that side of things. Um, so just showing how he's sur- Tony is surrounded by all of this, even though as he admits here, uh, he doesn't really care. But he ca- he obviously cares like he's it's very important to him that uh no one thinks he would do anything like that but he doesn't yeah. care if uh, other people do it really because he goes into like well my my stint was very short obviously behind bars so i i you know i definitely wouldn't and then he's like you think i'm lying right and she's like no yeah he doesn't <laughs> let it go because yeah she brings up the prison thing and he mentions that you get a pass for that you're in there for five ten years there's no women and then he brings up his own. Yeah, he gets defensive or insecure about his own thing. And then he even doesn't let it go. He's like, "You thought I was lying. You thought I was lying a second ago about the prison thing." And she's like, "I've given you no indication that <laughs> that I think that you're lying." Yeah, and then we get to like, "Who gives a shit?" Salute. Maybe it's part of his whole new, uh, you know, outlook on life. That this is also when we get into how things drag you down, which I think is the the point of the scene in the end, where like everything is just a fucking bother, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think it's I think it's kind of laying more bare that if Tony really did want to, um, I guess, live this second chance and change his life, and every day's a gift. It's, I guess, similar to looking at something like uh, like Christopher going sober or whatever. You know, one of the steps or something you're supposed to do is you got to kind of cut out your previous friends. If they're still, if you hung out with crackheads and you're trying to not do crack anymore, uh, you can't hang out with those friends anymore. So he would almost have to leave this life to fully change because yeah. even if he's like, all right, no more murdering or something, you know, you're still doing other things that are destroying other people's lives and mm. being a bad person. So there's no real other way uh, around it. Yeah. And uh, talking of things, you know, backsliding and, and going back to a little bit to the way they were before we have Tony and Carmilla and they do get a sweet scene where uh, she's got some ointment for his scar or whatever. Um, and he says that she was right about Junior, should have cut him out and all all of that. Very nice. But then we have the reality as well of like, you didn't talk to the building inspector or whatever. I don't know if that's in this scene, but that's sort of souring their new, more positive relationship yet again. Yeah, I believe that is a part of the scene as well. And, yeah. and tying to what I was saying before, I still think it's sad that they don't like, yeah, it's just this idea that Junior was always going to try to kill him, and it's not that he's not really a junior anymore, but, 
you know, easier yeah. said than done. Easier so, to forgive and forget. Because where's Junior's second chance? Or maybe he already got it. <laughs> he did get a second chance, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. um, so, yes, we have uh, a great scene where Meadow gets to also be the person who knew all along. Everyone gets to be the person who knew all along, uh, even though she kind of did, even though she denied it. And, yeah, she... She spills the beans about Finn seeing what he saw, and then Carmilla pressures her into, well, now you have to tell Tony, and because I guess Meadow doesn't get what a big deal it is. I mean, she is so part of this life, but obviously not. She wouldn't think like, oh, they're going to kill Vito now because of what I said. Yeah. <laughs> like, that would never enter her brain, because like, oh, it's my uncle, and who cares if he's gay? It's fine these days. Yeah. And it's like, nah, Polly doesn't think it's fine, though, Meadow. No, yeah, <laughs> Polly's not okay with it. Uh, and yeah, the, which, you know, it does, it becomes like a fun scene because when they bring Finn in, well, I mean, it's also a fun scene when they're just kind of gossiping about it with Carmilla and Rosalie and then Meadow yeah. gets involved. Uh, but then, yeah, Tony comes down in his Tony, like, I haven't, I feel like I haven't seen this classic Tony in a while where he's, his yeah. hair's sticking up and he's got his uh, robe on. Uh, it's one of my favorite Tonys. Like if, if I get an action figure with all the accessories, I'd want this Tony to put on my shelf. You know what I mean? It's one of the best Tonys. Absolutely. <laughs> I would love that. Um, so we, we, like you said, he then brings in Finn um, and we see him kind of nervous going in the back room of, of uh, Satrielli's. And uh, this scene just kind of made me think about scenes in general because it's so short and like it obviously continues later after he's sort of told the story already. But this scene works in itself because it has a turning point. And uh, something that took me so long to realize is that kind of the most important thing in, I guess, directing a scene or whatever, or writing it as well. But like, there's always a point where something changes from something to something else, which is a very vague way of putting it. But like in this scene, everyone's joking around about him being a dentist and Tony's bringing in this more serious energy and they notice how nervous Finn is and it gets like the mood gets more serious. And that's kind of where the scene ends because then we're propelled into like what's going to happen next, even in, you know, in isolation, not looking at anything else. This is still a scene that works, even though kind of nothing happens in it. Yeah, no, that's yeah, that's a great read because yeah, there it's it's such like pleasantries, like hey, the dentist over, here, you know, almost like kind of what uh, uh, Vito does every time he sees Finn, except he adds like a weird weird little extra layer to it of I yeah. guess menace. I don't know if he's trying to do that or not. And it's interesting too because then it just because you know you're not going to stay with this scene because we already know the story we've seen it happen on the show we've seen Finn tell Meadow about it we've known about it as the audience for a while we've even then just saw Meadow tell uh, Car- uh Carmela and Rosalie so like when it gets to that point where he's going to tell the story it just cuts to Vito walking around in New Hampshire or whatever like back in his like idealized world um, it, it's funny the way they like make this like kind of montage or whatever here. Cause like at one yeah. point they just cut to him like sitting at a waterfall. <laughs> like, yeah. And I can't tell if they're just leaning into look how great everything here is. Or if they're like, this is what gay guys do. They hang out at waterfalls. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I thought they go of it antiquing, as, like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
he is walking around at first and he sort of looks in this antique shop which uh i assume is the same one he goes into <clears> later <throat> and then he's sort of walking along and it's everything super idyllic some some fellow with a walking stick like an actual stick is like good morning and he's like oh. <laughs> and then he gets to this waterfall and he has this look of distress and i think this is part of the i mean he obviously looks at the license plate later and it's live free or die and i mean i i'm getting some suicidal vibes here when yeah. he's looking at the waterfall Very true. um not as much as in the motel room when he actually had a gun and drove there obviously to kill himself and then didn't i mean i i don't think he was but it gave that message to us the viewers uh this scene has that again sort of the chaos uh of death right on the doorstep even though uh, he's in such a nice place there's still that there uh but yeah it was a funny edit yeah yeah and then we kind of cut back uh after he's told the story and everyone's kind of you know everyone is pretty serious Polly's <coughs> Polly's pretty upset and oh, yeah. uh what they kind of shoo him out of the room for a bit because they need to discuss like the the reality of the situation well, the, the oh, most important thing yes. is that he okay. finds out that he was catching, not pitching. That's, That's when right. Paulie's like, oh, and uh, Finn's like, oh, he's worried. And Paulie's like, believe me, you know, I have no problems from Vito. <laughs> like, mm. the, the guy defending him most vigorously because to him being gay is like so much worse than to most other people, I guess, in the room. So for him, it's like that accusation. It's like accusing someone of high treason. You can't go around doing that unless you have solid proof. But now that he's got solid proof, ooh, oh boy. Yeah, yeah. So things got real. And it's interesting how they played this out because, I mean, obviously, when they just filmed that kind of gag scene, haha, I didn't even mean to do that, but when they filmed that gag scene where Finn shows up early and Vito pokes his head up, I, I, I don't think they knew that they were going to explore it in this way. You know what I mean? Or, yeah. or what do you think? Uh, I, I think I'd agree with that. I mean, they're definitely um, throwing something out there uh, for them to, to... They're throwing something for themselves to catch later on. Yeah. Um, and maybe that thread wouldn't have gone anywhere, or maybe it would be this. And this is like the expanded version of it. But I feel like The Sopranos is good at just, um, you know, th throwing shit into the air and trusting themselves to catch it later if they need to. And then otherwise they can catch some other storyline and go get going with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, Pauly does. He makes a line like, "Well, Chris is kind of laughing, but he's he's fired up." Pauly makes a line of like, "You know, how much more betrayal can I take?" Uh, and yeah. they kind of had a different read of that line in the Soprano session. I forget exactly what they mentioned, but I just read it as he's still reeling from the whole thing with his mother. Like that's, I, I thought it was pretty clear he meant like that. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure what else it would be. That's what yeah. I thought too. Um, but yeah, he he's defiant even towards Tony here, where he's like, "What the fuck else is there to talk about?" And Tony's like, "You sit down. I'm the boss, or whatever." And uh, yeah, he he says that it's got to stay within these four walls. What they found out, but like, Christopher's already tongue crackheads. Like it's uh, it's out there now. Yeah. And I mean, in the very next scene, uh, we have. Uh, well, let me just say is... before you get to the next oh, scene, sure. Going back to calling, I, I call this out every now and then because remembering watching it week to week and stuff they would use in the, you know, next time on The Sopranos, they specific, I remember specifically the lines of, uh, 
he's gotta go when uh, i think it's carlo that's like he's gotta go and then when you hear tony <laughs> yelling uh and what what about you huh you're gonna take you're gonna take care of his kids you can take care of his family and i remember just thinking like oh man what is going on next week and then it, it was it never <laughs> It never quite delivered. Like, The Sopranos always yeah. delivers, but it just didn't deliver on what you thought things were going to be the way they would cut these next time on The Sopranos promos. Well, I bet in the next time on promo, there's dramatic music playing t- as well. Like, dun, 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 They're like, where he's got to go. Boom, boom, boom. And can you imagine this scene if it had, like, emotional orchestration, <laughs> orchestra, like, bum, bum, and, like, shit like that? It, it would so lessen the flow of the uh you know of the conversation and the material that they're handling as well so that would be a great way to anti-deliver on it with just having like actual like something i think about a fair bit in the sopranos where other shows some shows will like add a bit of music to everything other shows will be more selective like the sopranos usually makes a very conscious choice when they're thrown in music uh like the other day the other episode there where uh he does arrive at the motel room and we hear the same song that was playing in the previous episode uh, he's very pronounced it's like what is this song what's going on uh, it's interesting but they don't necessarily have in dramatic music in these scenes which is i think the drama equivalent of not having a laugh track because they know they don't need it yeah yeah absolutely uh, and then, yeah, the next scene, it's Phil talking to Vito's wife, uh, which is, I guess, what his cousin, I believe. I forget. They're related right. somehow. Um, no, because uh, she's his cousin. That's what um, I mean. Yeah, yeah. She, oh, right. Like Vito's wife is related to Phil. That's right. Yeah. And she's kind of teared up and, and crying over the whole thing, of course. Uh, his estimation of Johnny Sack uh, was greatly lessened by just seeing him crying. So um, as we can imagine, he's not... Not too happy about the whole thing. The witness has no reason to lie. He's not all gung-ho about killing Vito, but he's also like, Vito may as well be dead to him, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, just kind of, like, what, still looking for him or something? I forget the specifics of what they're talking about here. Uh, But basically, yeah, just confirmation. The word's out. I guess they didn't keep it (laughs) within those four walls, like Tony, I think, had said in the previous scene. Uh, Yeah. And then, yeah, then we have Carmela going to the garage where she walks in on uh, Rosalie making deals. I guess we find out she's putting money on the street. and uh, Not Rosalie. Uh, I'm sorry, Angie. Angie. Because she's talking yeah. to Rosalie after, and Rosalie's the one that makes the uh, thing of, like, you know, one of us or one of them. And now she's kind of more one of them. Yeah, good line. Um, and good way to put the perspective on the whole thing for Carmela. Um so then we have Tony greeting the new captain taken over from Vito. I don't know this guy's name, but I'm pretty uh, he's very sure excited. it's Carlo. Carlo, that, I'm right? Sure. So he's very excited. They have a drink, and then he uh, they get to talking about how. Just so you know, Tony, like if Vito were to come back, like people wouldn't like sit work with him or take orders from him or want to be seen with him or whatever. And this isn't really surprising, but like. Tony reacts against it after his talk with Melfi. And then afterwards, Silvio is also like, um, you like, yeah, he, he's like, you don't want your reputation to be damaged too, right? I forget the actual wording, but that's basically it. Yeah, it does kind of come down to, you know, it's it's kind of just out of Tony's hands, even though Tony is the boss and he could maybe try to force it it would la- it, it wouldn't last is kind of the thing it would basically take down tony as well 
Yes, because uh, people would start withholding money. And he says, like, you know perfectly oh, yeah. well, guys like Pauly, they never kick up the full amount, which is uh, obviously true from yeah. when they did that big score and him and Vito were handing in the money and they were both like, ah, oh, we were trying to hand in as little as possible, uh, but keep as much as possible. But then Tony in the hospital bed even commanded so much respect that uh, they still got it. But even Carmilla was like, I, I, there was probably more there, right? Of course there was. Yeah. And then what I, is it Sylvia that says the line, like, you're going to kiss this guy on the cheeks when he comes back? Yeah. Or does Carlos say it? Which is interesting because it's already kind of like a homoerotic thing enough that they do. Like, like other cultures would, like, look down upon that. Never mind. That's just a regular thing. But now it's like, ooh, you know, not a fanook. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I, it's a... It, it's it's a great use of this uh, this thread because it puts Tony in a very interesting spot and it also just is a good excuse to kind of really explore some interesting things with all of these characters in general. Um yeah. and then then I think it goes back to Meadow and Finn here. Um and I love the way they have uh Meadow and her like well, first we see her just at like one of her new offices. She's kind of what studying to be a lawyer and she's doing, you know, kind of the grunt work. She's got to dig through these files and find whatever. And then the one of the lawyers makes a crack like, oh, Tony Soprano's daughter. Uh, and then we see her with Finn. And, you know, we always see the hints of this, like Tony's I mean, uh, Meadows very re- rebellious against her life. But she's also she's Tony and Carmela when it comes down to it, because she still makes the same excuses and she still puts a blind eye to the reality of the situation. Yeah. She's uh, learning about all these big investments, uh, you know, uh, fuckers and everyone's sort of earning money without like just out of thin air and uh, uh, fucking people over on a massive scale on a massive enough scale that they're probably going to get a bailout in two or three years. Uh, anyway, so they'll probably be fine while everyone else is totally fucked. And there's some truth to that as well. Um, but also, yeah, she doesn't want to see the reality of what she's in. Uh, doesn't want to worry too much about that. Um, but and yeah, I, I guess this part was... of this thread is also to show the contrast between the law center and like this, uh, internship she has at this law firm where it's yes. like, yep. uh, huge boxes of, uh, files and things that, uh, instead of like, doing a personal sort of talk with some family. And now it's like, give me this in this file. Cause we got a, you're one of 100 people working on this case <laughs> or whatever. And uh, we're getting paid millions of dollars to do this. So let's get it done. And I know we kind of jumped. There's a quick scene with Tony in the pool working his lats. And then Carmela's frustrated because he still hasn't talked to the um, building inspector. She's still dealing with yeah. her spec house, but going back to like the rationale with, uh, meadow and you know white collar crime i think we we hear we've heard carmilla use like the exact same excuse before i forget it was if it was with melfi or someone else when she's like you know my husband there's a lot lot more worse criminals out there than my husband uh so you know th- there's just that through line there it's easy it's easy to be on the outside uh and not you know, get to enjoy this great house and this great pool and a pool house theater and all like being able to go to my flashy school and and be like, ah, oh, this is terrible. We're fucking people over. It's like, yeah, but look at this great life I have. I can kind of deal yeah. with a few people getting fucked over. At least I'm not fucking over like thousands of people. Yeah. And she gets into like uh, that. It was horrible that she his 
that that Tony had to take his <clears throat> shoes off and all that it was just an embarrassment. And uh, uh, he says the guy was lucky to even get out uh, to go to the wedding. And then she starts, according to him, picking a fight, talking about like I guess his parents uh, and jokes about you know Italian cheeses and smelly feet and like being a uh, like him not accepting being Italian or whatever. Yeah. And she, uh, yeah. And then he gets into like what you think is going to happen to Vito just for being gay. Like, what do you think of these people you run around with? And they're also high. Yeah. All of this. <laughs> yeah. And I guess so. What is is Meadow? They're staying in the the guest house now, I suppose, or something. Or I mean, she's around a lot more. I guess now if she's doing an internship, I don't know. It's hard to read. Uh, the the Soprano Session book does point out that it's an interesting turn of the tide in their relationship here because if you remember, like, what, what the, one of the big arguments that kind of prompted their engagement was the veto thing. And he kind of, oh, yeah. he proposed to her to get out of an argument, but also to, like, kind of squash the veto thing. But now that veto is basically on his way out if not out like it is this weird like it takes a part of their bond away in an interesting way so yeah i guess that that is like another thing to kind of point out with their relationship well interestingly before he was more scared of like what a veto will do to him and now he's more emphasizing what they're going to do to veto yeah uh because of what he said but i guess that's fair enough given that like Oh, if I hadn't, if you, if you hadn't, uh, hadn't uh, you know, spilled the beans on this, then I wouldn't have been brought in there, and I wouldn't have to say this. And then maybe a guy who uh, hasn't done anything wrong, besides all the crime and being gay, maybe he would have been fine. But then he also threatened me earlier, so uh, you know, when you're high, that's a lot to deal with. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot to, especially when you're just a young up and coming dentist. Yes, exactly. Um, so. I guess this is the final scene here coming up with Vito going into the antique shop. And, uh, yeah, he uh, picks up a vase or something or a jug. And the guy's like, huh, you're a natural. That's the most expensive thing in here. And I'm like, that's from crimes. He learned that from crimes. (laughs) (laughs) Or I read it as he learned it because he's gay. (laughs) And that's what gay people know. Because, again, like, I'm, I'm kind of, even though I give the Sopranos writers obviously all the credit in the world but i'm almost tying this into how i was talking about like their take on like hip-hop and rappers and stuff previously yeah like that yeah. maybe i'm not giving them enough credit because that's why i was like oh yeah he's sitting by a waterfall because he's a gay guy oh he can go antiquing and pick out the great piece because he's a gay guy like that's what i'm picking up that like the subtext they're trying to give me and maybe i'm uh not giving them the credit they deserve well, similarly, I think uh, it's fairly clear that the, the two men who come into the diner are, you know, meant to be gay. But I feel like the show is also kind of saying that uh, this antique shop guy, he's probably gay. And then, like, the guy who runs the diner, he's maybe gay, too. <laughs> and it's kind of doing it in not the most subtle way. But then maybe I'm the bad guy, you know? It's hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see because, I mean, he's not dead yet, so I assume we're going to be back in New Hampshire unless unless this is the last we see of Vito and he just lives the rest of his days out there being a, running this antique store. Cause, I mean... Because as, as it cut to black, he's like, you're hired. <laughs> you're a natural. <laughs> you're hired. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I would kind of love that, and I would kind of wanted to see that show, and maybe the guy working on the road, he could have a bit part, and he could be one of the wacky characters in the small town. But then that's the kind of show I enjoy watching, besides The Sopranos. Uh, as we've learned from Junior, uh, Second Chance never really pays off or pans out the way you'd think, so I think Vito is going to end up dead unfortunately, and he's just going to get this taste of uh, what he should have had or could have had out of life first, and maybe he will end up as a local in this town, and everyone kind of knows his name, but then eventually he's going to end up dead. So, um, sorry, Vito, you you, you probably got to go, not because of being gay, but because of the whole running away thing and knowing too much, and uh, you know what? Maybe you're not going to turn state's evidence, but, like, what if you do? Got to get you out of there, Vito. Sorry. Yeah, there's not many ways out of this life. That's part of the. That's part of joining the mafia. Yeah, and this is exactly the same when you start listening to Cut to Black. Yep. The only way out is when you leave a review. Um, otherwise, you all get hunted down and shot at the end of season six. So I'm afraid to break it to you. You will have to leave a review in order to avoid that old. Uh, what is it they say? The old uh, metal handshake. Uh, the old instead of a golden handshake, you get a metal handshake. There's a gun in the hand. I don't know. We're still working concrete on concrete shoes. Because mm, they used exactly. to put you in concrete shoes and throw you in like the bottom of the ocean or whatever. Yeah, and that might yeah. happen to you if you're not careful. Uh, and how are you careful? You leave a review yes. on Apple Podcasts or wherever yes. you get your podcasts. Uh, you can also check out showswithyouknow.com for our other shows. We got our new one, Blank Meets Blank, out there. We're also maybe putting out some other new shows kind of soon. Keep an eye on it. Of course, there's also jimandthem.com for Jim's other podcasts and awesomepedia.org for things I make. So, so much content, so little time. Yes, yeah. And I mean, with all that content, there's only one thing left to say. Oh, what's that, Jim? Cut to black. <laughs>